Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode two of season two of the New American Media podcast. I have a special guest here today. She has come all the way from Miami, Florida, one of my favorite places, beautiful town. Um, she is a high-powered attorney, and so we are doing something different this year where we're not just going to have entrepreneurs of immigrant background, but people in corporate America, men and women in corporate America of new American background that we can talk to and kind of gauge and see how they have gone through their childhood, their background to be who they've become and how they've become so successful in these huge corporate roles. As we know today, nine tech CEOs are of South Asian descent out in Silicon Valley. Um, the Pepsi CEO was an Asian American. Very many CEOs of these large Fortune 500 companies, um, tech companies are all uh, immigrant CEOs. And kind of finding out what that secret sauce is, how they do what they do, is what our guest here today, Diana Fang, is going to talk about. Hey, Diana, how are you? Hey, good to see you. Good to see you as well. So for those of you who don't know, I met Diana about six weeks ago, about two months ago, at the Real Estate Technology Conference. Her law firm had a booth there. She works for a huge, high-powered real estate law firm down in Miami that practices in South Florida, but pretty much all over the United States. Yeah, so we're actually a full-service law firm. It's called Posanelli. We are actually headquartered out of Kansas City, and we are we practice um, law in every vertical throughout the United States. I think oh, we wow. have about a thousand attorneys nationwide. I focus in the real estate and financial services department, but we have deals going on, popping off all across the country as we speak. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your background, where you're originally from or your parents are from. Did you, were you born here? Did you immigrate here? And kind of a little bit about that. And by the way, happy Chinese Lunar New Year. Thank you. Happy Lunar New Year to you and to everyone watching. Hope, hopefully the Year of the Tiger will bring you all health, wealth, and happiness. Awesome. <laughs> so a little bit about myself. Um, I immigrated to the United States uh, when I was five years old. So this was in about 1994. My father had come to the United States first to get his PhD. And um, it's crazy to think, but at that time, my father was offered the same education and future as he was here in the United States, as well as Germany. So he made a choice that really, truly shaped my life. Uh, it was a very difficult transition from being in China to having friends, family, a huge support group, being a little princess amongst, you know, my family and friends to coming to the U.S. and 
truly having nothing. Uh, my, my mother and I, we lived in student housing with my dad as he finished his PhD. And oh, he's, wow. he's truly a brilliant man. So a little bit about him. He was a professor in China at the age of like 22, which is unheard of. Oh, wow. So, where so at, went, if you don't mind it, me asking? Lanzhou University, where I'm from. I'm from okay. Lanzhou, Gansu Province, China. Okay. So, yeah, it was very difficult. The, I think there were definitely a lot of cons, but the cons kind of shape, shaped me into who I am. I went from having to be taken care of to taking care of myself. I spent almost every day uh, after school, after kindergarten, first grade, by myself at home. And not only did I need to do my homework and learn a whole new language, but I needed to also get dinner ready and follow my oh, parents' wow. directions. Yeah, I, I, I had to grow up very fast. It was pretty traumatic, but it certainly was trial by combat. I learned to be creative. Um, I learned to adapt to situations and it really toughened me up because a huge aspect of being an immigrant in the U.S. is, you know, being profiled, being made fun of, being picked on, being bullied at school. And on one hand, not having a huge, a great grasp of language helped in the sense that I didn't really know a lot of the insults that were being hurled at me. So it didn't hurt me. But later on, I look back and I think, wow, kids are cruel these days, you know? Um, 100%. So it, yeah, they are cruel little things. Did you have to take um, English as a second language as well? I did not have to do that, primarily because my father, who is a tiger dad in every sense of the word, I had to copy books every day after school. So oh, wow. at, at five, I copied books every day. I had to copy at X amount of pages and my dad would review all my work when he got home. And as I grew up, the copying of books went to dictionaries, dictionaries to specialized workbooks that prepped you for, you know, SAT in college. So it was, you know, it was a pretty grueling childhood. That's intense. Oh yeah. I thought it my was... parents were intense. That's intense. Oh no, he, they were very intense. So yeah, that was, it was a stressful childhood, but I think that that's what allowed me to be able to accomplish so much of what I have and to do it kind of on my own. Obviously, the first generation of immigrants, well, I'm actually referring to my parents, really. I mean, it's, there's a lot to be said for people who move across the world with very little, with you know, no understanding of the culture of the language and so forth. So all the respect to them, but the experience of being an immigrant child, I think is what makes me have the drive that I do and have the thirst for success that I do. I don't think that I would have the same drive without the experiences that I've faced. Um, I agree when, with that a hundred percent, you know, that yeah. I call us like, I came over when I was five as well the 1.5 generation. Right. Because exactly. we're technically not <clears throat> native born here, but we basically might as well be. 
Right. And we have no accents. And when we tell exactly. people we are from where we are from, they say, oh, your English is so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So true. I don't know if you have any siblings, but I, I have a little sister. She was born when I was about seven and a half. So it went from just Diana taking care of herself every day after school to Diana taking care of an infant every day after school. So it just made me very fiercely independent, which I appreciate. You know, I, I think that our our education system woefully underprepares our ge generations of children for what reality is. And I certainly had a lot of friends who um, had that harsh reconciliation when they right, left right. to college. But, you know, for a lot of us who, you know, have been living the real world all along, it's not so traumatizing or difficult or scary. So how was it doing that transition from living at home? Now you have all of this freedom. You're in college. Um, kind of tell us how you chose what you wanted to get into being an attorney and into law and what kind of pushed you in that direction? Sure. So I wrote a paper when I was in fourth grade about how I was going to go to law school and change the world. And I stand by that paper that I wrote and manifested it. I, as you know, being an Asian immigrant, we have a few options for us that would make any Asian parent proud. And my whole life- Three options, that's it. <laughs> oh yeah, doctor, lawyer, engineer. Engineer, and that's it. Exactly, so um, I chose the lawyer route because my, I mean, it was kind of a idea that my parents had put in my head that I would be good for that, for, for that profession and not as good perhaps for the other professions. And my whole life, it's been chasing approvals from them, from my family back in China, making them proud, making their sacrifice worthy. Um, in retrospect, there were many things that I was naturally good at that I was trained to do for many years, but then had to just let slip to the side as I furthered my career. So talk, talk about those things. What, what do you think that you were naturally good at? that you didn't really get a chance to do as well or much. Of. Right. So there's a thing with Asian parents where they want their children to be able to do everything, right? You need to be good at the arts, visual, music. You need to be good at um, school. You need to be this and that. It's like a finishing school expectation. But Being well-rounded. Right, right. Being well-rounded, however, all of those things that you pick up on that journey cannot be a career. For example, I played four instruments growing up. My sister plays eight. We wow. were not as That's well amazing. off. Right. And she, I started when I was 11. She started when she was four. So as my parents, you know, established themselves, they were able to afford to send us to more and more classes. Um, That's why the younger siblings right. are always so spoiled. My little brother's so spoiled. Yes, and they, they have no idea or appreciation as to how spoiled they are. Um, 100%. Yeah. So I also did art. I painted, drew, did portrait. I started winning art competitions when I arrived in the United States at five. And that was something I was naturally good at. I had taken lessons as well back in China, and I'd taken some more lessons in the United States. And that was something I was truly just good at, God-given talent. Wow. That's but awesome. that wasn't really 
you know, that's the starving artist is also not really an option, is it? So, <laughs> yeah. As I get Very older, true. I, yeah. As I get older, I try to, I make an effort to like reconnect to these things that I enjoyed in my past to try to make time for it. You've got to, you've got to share a painting. Maybe we can put it on the podcast. Maybe I YouTube. will. I'll yes. have to ask, I'll have to call my parents. <laughs> well, so now you are at University of Florida, graduate from there. And I believe you said you went to law school there as well or at Miami? I went to Miami. Miami, uh, you, yes. The U. Right, the U. Towards, uh, to go back to your original question as to what it was like, the switch from being in a, in a household with strict tiger parents to going to college. I mean, it was a breath of fresh air. It was so nice to do all the things that I saw my peers doing because, of course, I was not allowed to do anything no matter how many A's I get, no matter how many varsity sports and clubs I, ch you know, championed. It, it didn't matter, just didn't have a lot of freedom. So it was really, it was nice to be out of the house and be on my own. And that's when I realized, well, Diana, you've got to make it. You've got to make it so you can stay free. So that was, that's certainly a driving factor as to, you know, achieving success is to not have to obey the whims of my tiger parents under the same roof again. <laughs> no, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Once yeah. you move out and you gain that freedom, it's hard yeah. to ever go back. It certainly is. So when you went to law school, how did you kind of pick going to Miami? I'm guessing you've been in Florida pretty much your whole life. Similar to myself, being in North Carolina, my whole mm -hmm. life after moving from India. Um, what made you choose Miami? And then kind of talk about how you ended up where you're at today and a little bit about that and what you see for yourself in the future. Sure. So it was not really a what made me choose Miami, but a who um, at the time when I was in college at UF, I had a boyfriend whose family lived in South Florida and it was his goal to attend the University of Miami and be close to his family. His father happened to own a law firm. So um, I had always wanted to go up to the Northeast, but at the time when I was young and foolish, I thought, I'm just gonna go down to Miami, you know? I'm not gonna throw away this relationship. We were together for two years already. So and obviously that was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you, when you are young and you do things for others instead of doing things for yourself, it certainly manifests, I think, later on in time. Even though that relationship didn't last, um, I was in Miami. What I mean, it's not a bad place to be. <laughs> Beautiful city. I'm telling exactly. you. Exactly. As of today, I would yeah. say I like Miami more than New York. I mean, this is my office view. So it, 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 it's truly a great city. And it had a lot of potential, which is why I stayed. The main reason I stayed in Miami was because I ended up studying abroad in China um, during law school. 
And that experience changed my life. It was an incredible experience at the Beijing University School of Transnational Law in Shenzhen. And there I had some of the best professors in the world that were teaching, you know, they were the head of their industries and their head of their fields in, in, in all of the subject matters. And they taught because they wanted to teach, not because they're tenured and they needed to teach. And um, I made so many contacts with law firms and developers and real estate professionals in, within Hong Kong and China during my time there. And as I was leaving to come back to the US, I, we so happened to visit the office of a very well-known Hong Kong-based developer. And they just so happened to be building a multi-billion dollar project in Miami. So, oh, wow. yeah, so it was a series of fortunate events where I landed while finishing law school in a very amazing position on one of the largest privately developed proper projects within the United States. So um, before I even graduated, I was there. After I graduated, I was there for about five and a half, six years. And it it was a very cool project, to say the least, to cut my baby teeth on. Um, to see no, that's amazing. Into the frying pan, straight into the in, fire. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, not just one asset class or two. It was mixed use. It was all interconnected. It was vertical subdivisions. And in the urban heart of Miami, Brickle. So that experience was unparalleled. I mean, I don't think that I would have come across that opportunity had I not gone to China for study abroad. So now that's a after, great opportunity. Yes, definitely. So then after that, after that project kind of winded down and I realized that it was time to make another move. Um, I, I had gotten some, some I, I experienced the politics and the the turmoil of corporate America while, well, at that firm. So that was my first taste and it certainly wasn't my last, but my policy overall is I'm going to treat my colleagues with courtesy, with grace, as well as any clients, as well as anybody that I meet. Because in having lived in multiple countries and traveled so much throughout my life, I, I appreciate the small acts of kindness that others tend to give me when I am somewhere new or somewhere um, uncomfortable or uncertain for me. And I, I think about those people and I think, wow, they really helped me have a great experience or change change my feelings towards a place or towards a situation and i want to pay that kindness forward the funny thing is corporate america doesn't always do that <laughs> so well, that's that's what i wanted to ask you what was yeah. that situation was it similar to what you hear about especially you being a woman as well as a minority so there's like a double whammy there the asian glass ceiling kind of thing yeah. and yeah was it something that you were able to overcome or what type of adversity did you have there and how did you try to overcome that? Right. So 
I think that ingrained in most of our generation, the, the immigrant children of our generation, we, we want to do things right. We want to do things quickly and efficiently and be done. What we sometimes don't realize is that there are reasons as to why a corporation or certain individuals high up do not want that. <laughs> and sometimes we think to ourselves, we're going to be rewarded for our for our efficiency, for, you know, doing, getting it done, doing it right. But sometimes that is literally the opposite of what the underlying intent is. And that being there and having seen it in real life, having been rebuked for doing some things quickly and efficiently and just going ahead and, and completing assignments, it kind of, it kind of backfired on me. And then that's, that's when I realized, oh, we have to not only do our jobs, but we kind of have to navigate the politics, the and read between the lines of what we're supposed to do. Yeah, so that's that's one of the big things in corporate America is that corporate oh yeah. office politics. Yeah, so playing nice with everyone, I think, is truly the most important part of being in corporate America. And the difference between being in corporate America versus in big law, where I am now, is that there's less of politics, which I appreciate tremendously. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, what is the difference between that and big law, like you would say? So in my opinion, big law, you are responsible for your clients, you're responsible for the things going on that you directly handle in your practice area. And there's not a lot of like, internal politicking between different departments or C-suite individuals. There's just less space for um, corporate drama or, or HR related issues. There truly is just less of that. And it's also, I would say, probably very much more entrepreneurial in the sense, exactly. if you're bringing in more clients, that kind of thing, you get a higher hourly rate or however that's negotiated. And those are your right. clients that you're working on, correct? Right, right. And, you know, a lot of what we do is our own, it's our own branding. Like how I conduct myself is a reflection of Diana Feng, the individual, not necessarily the law firm. Both obviously are considered, but it is me. It is my work product. So therefore, I think that attorneys overall have a higher standard for themselves as to how they conduct themselves at work. Whereas when you're in corporate America, you are hiding behind quite a large door. You know, you, you have the entire company to hide behind. You can kick that can uh, down the road quite far. So I think that's one of the big differences. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So tell me this. Um, what would you say to anyone in college or someone younger watching this podcast that may want to get into law, go to law school, kind of some of the pros, cons, and how to get a job in corporate America or big law? I think the best advice to young immigrants or just the youth in general is to not be afraid. Um, we are taught to be, in a lot of Asian cultures, you know, we are taught to be, to sacrifice our creativity, um, 
for just staying alive, right? Finding a job that'll keep you alive. You're, you're fending for, you're fighting for an existence, but not, you know, happiness. Um, I'm not telling, what I'm not saying is do whatever you want. What I'm saying is be smart about it. Choose something that you truly enjoy. And for a lot of people, I think, even for myself, we have tried to meet the expectations of others, of, of parents, of families across the world, of neighbors, of, you know, whomever. We've tried to meet those expectations. We try to one-up that constantly. But it takes a long time. When we look back in retrospect, we see that we've sacrificed our own wants for their expectations. And I think that it's important for people to step out of those shadows earlier instead of, you know, waking up in your mid thirties and saying, Oh my God, I'm, I'm in a career that I hate. I only did it to make my parents proud. I only did it to make my grandmother proud who is across the world and has no idea what I do on a daily basis. Um, That's something that I work through every day. A lot of things that I like or people ask me, Diana, what kind of music do you like? Or what kind of, you know, what kind of books do you like to read? And sometimes I have to sit back and think like, do I like anything? Do I even <laughs> like anything? Or have I just been listening to things that other people told, told me to listen to and read books that my dad told me to read? You know what I mean? No, so, 100%. I think you so, see it a lot in um, physicians. A lot yeah. of Asian um, South Asian, just immigrant physicians I've seen, that yeah. burnout is extremely real. Yeah, it's like you kind of suppress your own personality to for the happiness of, you know, your elders. And um, I think I invite people to think about it a little bit deeper before they rush into any kind of career and get in touch with what your natural talents are. I think natural talents are very important. If you're not good at math, engineering is not for you, buddy. You know, it's, it's not, just, it's not going to happen. So, you know, if, if you're not good at music, you're not going to be a singer songwriter. That's just not going to happen. Be realistic, but also don't blindly follow the expectations set upon you by your family or by society because by the time you realize that it's too late half of life will have gone by a hundred percent i i love that um one of the things i guess you're saying so everybody diana's saying just instead of going to law school med school engineering (laughs) school just become a podcaster An Instagram yeah. influencer, you know, yeah. we need, I think we need more Asians or just minorities in general in Hollywood. I become, agree. become a creative. I we agree. need more of you young people to become a creative. I think that the creativity of too many of us has been stamped out by the fear of our elders that we can't make a living. And it's, it's a shame because we are underrepresented in many aspects. I'm not saying don't go to law school. Go to law school. <laughs> no, I'm the just thing is, I think a lot of people would be great in law school. Maybe they but, went to med school maybe instead. You practice entertainment law, right? Exactly. Or something cool. Yeah. 
the thing about Asian immigrants or immigrants in general is that overall they've endured hardships that are not typical. So they are able to overcome obstacles like the grueling three years or two and a half if you were me of you know law school or getting a master's or a PhD. So these barriers are easily smashed. It's just the matter of the types of industries I think the future generations should be getting into. We need more representation in politics, in music and entertainment and I would definitely oh, say <laughs> in, in music and entertainment, um, yeah. Asian men, I think, are not portrayed in a positive light in in Hollywood. And maybe I will change that. I do have a treatment for a movie, but that's for another podcast, everybody. <laughs> One thing I will tell you guys about Diana, she is the meme queen. She sends me <laughs> the best memes probably every day, every other day. I don't know where you find those on Instagram or TikTok, but they're amazing. Well, you if know you what want... they say about funny people. They're the smart ones too. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Is there anything you want to add in there? Your socials, your law firm, anything you want to plug? Now's the time. Go ahead. Sure. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at fortunecookie89. And my law firm is called Posanelli. And if you have any legal needs in real estate or otherwise, you can reach me at D-F-E-N-G at P-O-L-S-I-N-E-L-L-I dot com. Awesome. Thank you, Diana. You've been Thank awesome you. today. Thank you. Have for a wonderful me. day. Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Thank you everyone for watching or listening to this episode. It was something different for episode two. I would like to thank Diana Fang with Posanelli's Law Firm out of Miami, Florida for coming on the pod. She had an amazing story of her childhood coming over from China at five years old to going to undergrad at UF, law school at the University of Miami, doing an internship at Beijing University in Shenzhen and being involved in, you know, a two, $300 million project straight out of law school. These are things I think as we grow into more episodes, you'll see that most immigrants are very comfortable being thrown from the frying pan into the fire because we've been doing it our whole lives. And again, thank you, everybody. Please like and subscribe below. I'm out.